And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Welcome to Dave's Daredevil Podcast, presented by Two True Freaks. I am your host, J. David Weeder, but you can call me Dave. And this week was to be the start of the nine-part coverage of Guardian Devil, and then something happened that basically wrecked all my best laid plans. Yeah, life is funny that way. See, the files I had, which would be this episode, completely done, edited, ready for upload. The next episode, partially edited, as well as notes for the next one after that. They all went poof. Just gone. That's fantastic. Basically, I put it on a thumb drive, and that thumb drive decided to just suddenly go corrupt. And I went from basically a two-week lead to basically three weeks behind in all of about an instant. There was a moment where I basically decided to almost kick my microphone down the hall and say, screw it, I'm out. I mean, just imagine somebody in a movie says something stupid to Tommy Lee Jones. Just imagine that facial expression, and you kind of have me right there. That was my face. So now I'm three weeks behind, no lead, just behind as the show is really starting to get back on track. All my notes are gone, I'm starting from scratch. So my plans are shot. I knew I had to have something out this week, because I've already taken a two-week vacation. I didn't want to go, hey guys, gotta take a break again. And here I am, not even at square one, with just a few days before the episode is to be released. So I was scrambled to figure out what to do. It's way too tight of a time frame to redo the episode. And I decided, hey, let's go to the vault. I record things, try things out, shows that don't quite come together, idea sketches, what have you. That worked out well for the Captain America episode last July, when something similar happened. And in the vault, I found nothing even tangentially related to Daredevil at all. But any port in a storm, right? We're going to work with what we have. And what I have is something completely off topic, but entertaining nonetheless. And this really does shoot the Guardian Devil plans right in the face because of logistic things that are too boring to really talk about. So I guess I'm going to put Guardian Devil on the back burner for right now and go a different direction, which is fine. We can roll with that. And I have been eyeing my essentials, so something will be coming out of this, I promise. As soon as I get this episode out the door, I'll start working on next week. This week, what is it that I've pulled from the vault? Well, it's an experiment for a show revolving around Shazam. If you really need a tangential connection, they both wear red suits, he and Daredevil. So what you're going to hear is a pilot of sorts for a Captain Marvel Shazam show that never really got off the ground. There were several iterations of this, it just never quite came together, and luckily Kyle Benning has decided to take that ball and run with it. But that doesn't mean I have to waste good audio. So even though it's not really related to Daredevil, I'm going to present to you my Shazam pilot, and I'm going to do so right after this promo. So as soon as the promo ends, that will pick up. So I will be back next week with more Daredevil action. Until then, justice may be blind, but it can see in the dark. Enjoy my Shazam pilot. Warlord Worlds, a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Starslayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth.
hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. Shazam! Welcome, one and all, to the very first episode of Dave's Amazing World of Shazam, a podcast taking a journey through the DC Comics years of the Marvel family. I am your host, J. David Weeder, or Dave, as it says in the title, and since this is the debut episode, that means it's just like the first day of class and we set forth the mandate of the show and do some introductions, and then a little bit later we'll be covering an actual story. So let's start with me. I am a 30-something comic book fan and podcaster. I first set foot in the comic podcast realm in 2010 with Superman Forever Radio and went on to co-host Green Lantern's Light with Michael Bradley and Jeffrey Taylor, as well as co-hosting The New 52 Adventures of Superman with John M. Wilson and producing and co-hosting Pad Smash and Incredible Hulk podcast with Michael Bailey and Lee Busby. And I also contribute a Superboy in the Bronze Age segment to Superman in the Bronze Age. I've had a soft spot for Captain Marvel, Mary Marvel, and Captain Marvel Jr. since I was introduced to them via the Filmation cartoon. I loved that show, and I was really, really sad when it wasn't on the Saturday morning cartoon rotation. And, you know, one of my favorite toys as a kid was my Captain Marvel Superpowers action figure, which sadly got lost inside of a recliner. But Dr. Fate, Red Tornado, and Martian Manhunter never stopped looking for him. I... You know, I just love the costume, I love the concept, and the purity of that concept. Because it's a pure flight of fantasy, and it allows any young person to become a Superman within that fantasy. And when I looked out over the podcast landscape, I did not see a Captain Marvel podcast, anything relating to this. So it occurred to me that there really needed to be a podcast to share this character. And so, here we are. As for the show itself, it will be a weekly show covering the Marvel family from the time they landed at DC Comics with Shazam number one in 1973 and moving forward up to and through Crisis on Infinite Earths, covering a single story per episode. So why start here and not the Golden Age? Let's get that out of the way. It seemed natural to me because I associate the big red cheese with DC and that's the material I have the most access to. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, one of my motivations for doing this show, beyond that love of Captain Marvel, was the simple fact of what DC has done with the character in the New 52, which in my opinion is to suck every bit of fun out of the concept. So my goal is to show how much fun these stories were as pure entertainment, and it's a great excuse to read some Captain Marvel stories. What I have to explain to you is podcasters are cursed with a certain malady, wherein we automatically have to talk about every comic we read. So even though I didn't want to add another show to my busy schedule, I felt this one needed to happen. Because after all, when we look at it, 
There are already Hulk podcasts. There are Superman podcasts. We have a whole network of them. And Green Lantern podcasts. But not one show about the Marvel family. And that just seems like an injustice to a character that has a very rich, very important, very storied history. Now, speaking of that history, I want to talk a little bit about that just to establish things. I'm going to be expanding stuff through the material rather than right here in the preamble. So this feels like a perfect moment to kind of start off with that and kind of fill you in on the background of Captain Marvel and his family. Now, Captain Marvel made his debut in 1940 with Wiz Comics number 2, published by Fawcett Comics, in the early years of the Golden Age superhero boom. He was created by writer Bill Parker and artist Cece Beck. Now, Parker originally wanted to see the concept as six individuals who took on the individual powers of Captain Marvel, but was convinced it would be more exciting to turn it into a single entity, one that he originally called Captain Thunder, and then later to Captain Marvelous, before being shortened down to just Captain Marvel. Now, like his contemporary Superman, Captain Marvel wore a caped costume, although a bit more military and Egyptian in its inspiration. Unlike Superman, Captain Marvel didn't have a full-time job as a reporter. Uh, he didn't go home. In fact, he didn't have a home. He was a 12-year-old boy named Billy Batson, who was bestowed powers by the wizard Shazam. So let's face it, a 12-year-old who transforms into a Superman-esque figure? That's the fanboy child's dream fantasy right there, and it sold like hotcakes. And like anything that sells well, the concept grew to include Billy's sister, Mary, who could also become Mary Marvel in a matching female version of Captain Marvel's costume, and then Freddie Freeman, a handicapped boy who could become Captain Marvel Jr. by only speaking the name of his idol, Captain Marvel. And then there were villains, like Mr. Mine, Dr. Savannah, Iback and Black Adam, who, oddly enough, only made one single Golden Age appearance. Now, the concept was, you know, obviously bigger, larger than life. Captain Marvel would be the first superhero to appear on the big screen in his own serial, and Elvis Presley would model his look after Captain Marvel Jr. right down to the high-collared cape. In fact, Captain Marvel and family outsold Superman. He became the highest-selling superhero in the 40s, which caught the attention of DC Comics, who in turn sued Fawcett for copyright infringement, forcing Fawcett to never publish a Captain Marvel story again. So, Captain Marvel and his cast disappeared into obscurity for nearly 20 years, which brings us kind of up to our starting point in 1973. DC Comics, who of course were the ones that put Fawcett out of business, licensed the characters to publish them, them, publish them themselves. But because Marvel had trademarked the name of their Captain Marvel, or Marvel, the book was named Shazam, which would cause the character of Captain Marvel to continuously be confused and referred to under the name Shazam. But let me correct that. His name is Captain Marvel. The wizard is Shazam. But that brings us kind of up to the present with the introductions out of the way. So right after this promo for a wonderful podcast that I will heartily recommend, even though I don't know which promo I'm putting in, we will actually begin our journey with Shazam number one. Stay on. Let every greed of Mongo live together in peace. 
Wait, he said Mongo, didn't he? That's wrong character, wrong universe, and wrong galaxy. Hold on just one sec. Ah, here we go. Flash Legacies, a podcast connecting the adventures of Wally West, the third hero to be known as The Flash. Join me, Dave Walker, in my bi-weekly journey as I look at Wally's career from when he first donned the mantle of The Flash all the way up to the return of Barry Allen. Find me at flashlegacies.limpson.com And we are back to cover our inaugural story, which is known as, appropriately, In the Beginning. It is from Shazam number 1, cover dated February 1973. The issue itself boasts a cover by C.C. Beck that depicts, ironically, Superman, pulling the curtain back on Billy Batson as he shouts the magic word and becomes the world's mightiest mortal. Now this story is actually the first of three stories from this issue. It was written by Denny O'Neill with art by the original Captain Marvel artist C.C. Beck. The story opens with real-life writer Otto Binder walking down a city street and being surprised to see Billy Batson, who has been missing for 20 years. Binder asks how Billy can be the same age after all this time, and Billy says it's a long story and he wouldn't believe it. After a befuddled Binder leaves, Billy flashes back to a rainy night long ago. Billy was selling newspapers at a subway entrance when a shadowy stranger in a broad-brimmed hat beckoned him into the subway tunnels. As Billy followed the stranger into the subway, Billy revealed that he is homeless and sleeps in the tunnels because they are warm. Deep in the subway tunnels at a set of tracks, a subway car covered in symbols arrived, and the stranger urged Billy aboard. The train takes Billy to a long, torch-lit cavern lined with statues depicting the seven deadly enemies of man. Pride, envy, greed, hatred, selfishness, laziness, and injustice. After his guide disappears, Billy continued down the cavern and came to a stone chair with a man sitting in it who looked very, very old with a long silver beard and adorned in robes. Above the seat hung a huge stone block held aloft by literally a string. The old man introduced himself to Billy as the ancient Egyptian wizard Shazam and told Billy that after 5,000 years of fighting evil, his time was up and Billy would be his successor. The wizard ordered Billy to speak the wizard's name and the boy called out, Shazam! And a thunderclap sounded, a bolt of lightning struck, and young Billy Batson was transformed into a muscle-bound man in a red suit with a lightning bolt emblem across his chest and a white cape draped over his shoulder. The boy became the world's mightiest mortal with only a magic word. But Billy didn't get a chance to let it soak in, because immediately after that, the thread holding the block above Shazam's head snapped, bringing the block down on the old man and crushing him and his stone chair. But the wizard appeared in ghost form and told Billy that if he needs the wizard, all he had to do was light a brazier and it will summon his ghost. Shazam explains that Billy's powers come from six mighty mythological heroes. Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury. Then the wizard dubbed Billy Captain Marvel and sent him forth to fight evil. Which brings us back to the present in the story, 20 years later, where Billy thinks that he made good on his promise to Shazam. But the world's wickedest scientist found a way to exile Captain Marvel, and now that the exile is over, 
Billy is going to find the man responsible. And I'll leave you with that cliffhanger for next week. For now, let's talk about this story. I got a lot of notes. It opens with a gorgeous C.C. Beck frontispiece of Captain Marvel flying with a thunderbolt striking behind him and the big letters BOOM. It's just a a spectacular pinup piece. Now, since the majority of the stories I'll be covering will be from the Showcase Presents and Black and White, and and this also appears in Shazam! The Greatest Stories Ever Told, which I also have and recommend both, I am going to take uh, a moment to talk about the color. Specifically, Captain Marvel and Billy's primary color, red, and the way it's used. It's easy to dismiss Cap's costume as an inverted version of Superman's, especially once the flap is removed and you just have that insignia. It gives it more of a spandex look. But the red is, it's a pure red, and it stands on its own. And then you complement that with the yellow belt, boots, insignia, and cuffs. It really just makes the look just pop. And while the flap on the chest does add a unique twist to the look, it isn't needed. And it's important to note that the design came from a time when the superhero template was really just being constructed. I mean, this was two years after Superman and one year after Batman, so the field to kind of draw from, to be inspired by, was fairly barren. Now, while on the subject of the costume, it's a bit of irony that Captain Marvel, a hero in red with a yellow lightning bolt for an emblem, was originally slated to appear in a book called Flash Comics from Fawcett. And that was before Fawcett found out that the name was trademarked by Guess Who?, So we got Wiz Comics, and years of snickers and giggles ensued on that title choice. But, moving into the story proper, with a very meta meeting of Billy Batson and Otto Bender. Now, Bender was responsible for writing just almost half, if not more than half, actually, of the Marvel family's adventures after Bill Parker was drafted into World War II. So a lot of enemies, a lot of the supporting cast was from Bender himself. So it's an odd twist of fate we're seeing here, because... When Fawcett folded following the DC lawsuit, stating Captain Marvel was too similar to Superman, Bender would go on to make his name and his most recognizable body of work with DC and Superman. And this just meta moment really does symbolize something awesome, almost a closing of a circle. And it's enriched by the fact that C.C. Beck, the original Cap artist, drew it. Now, speaking of C.C. Beck... Those who are looking at the issue, whether it be in the original issue form, showcase, presents, Shazam! The Greatest Stories Ever Told, or means allegedly nefarious, wink, you'll immediately notice a a really stark contrast in Beck's cartoony style to the more detail-oriented style of the times. And while I generally like the style of Beck, it makes me think of something like Lil Abner or Blondie, but I can see the readers of the time might have been thrown off by it. And Beck really stuck to what worked for Captain Marvel, I think. Because really, even with the the modern transition, this book kept the kid-friendly tone that, you know, the Golden Age version had. And in fact, let's expand that a little bit. The origin story flashback is close to being lifted panel by panel from Wiz Comics number 2. And I had to do a quick comparison to make sure it wasn't a cut-and-paste job. But kudos to Beck for really just making all original art from a story he's already told. And kudos to Denny O'Neill while we're at it, because while this story serves to simply open the issue, it's the first of those three, it does accomplish a lot in six pages. It reestablishes a timeline and retells a condensed version of the origin. 
just a slightly condensed. In fact, the condensed version leaves out only a bit of exposition featuring the Historama, which is a device that Shazam uses to view and display events from the outside world. And with the Historama in Wiz Comics 2, we learn that Billy is an orphan who was left in the care of his wicked uncle, who drove Billy out of the house to get his hands on Billy's inheritance. Beyond that, a mild restaging uh, and the original origin and timeline of the Fawcett Comics publication stays intact. And this seems like an adequate place to note that while Shazam is a DC book, it is not set in the DC universe. It takes advantage of the multiverse to keep the stories and characters in their own universe under the guise that they take place on an alternate Earth called Earth-S. So, the book is generally self-contained, but the multiverse does allow potential crossovers with the mainstream DCU, specifically Superman, which we will see from time to time. And this also allows the Golden Age stories to be canon, while allowing some leeway, some play. Now back to the origin, we see Billy accosted by a shadowy stranger who leads Billy out of the public eye and into a train car, which sends up stranger danger signals for me and most probably anybody reading it, but the stranger, while creepy, is supposed to be Mercury himself, which of course makes sense with Mercury being the messenger of the gods. And now one note on the origin, this sequence seems to remain constant uh, across almost all versions in media. Uh, We get Billy going to the subway... Billy finding the Rock of Eternity and Shazam, which isn't named here. In fact, there's very little deviation, and we have things like the live-action show and Serial being notable exceptions. And of course, the New 52 is different, but even post-Crisis, you saw echoes of this origin with very little deviation, and maybe no need to deviate. What 12-year-old doesn't want to be told that they are special and have superpowers granted to them? This is Harry Potter before Harry Potter was even thought of. And then we come to the wizard, Shazam, who looks like Father Time, which is a great design, but obviously not original. But, then again, it doesn't need to be, since we are dealing with basically an archetype. And here on page four is a linchpin for me as to why Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's Shazam doesn't work for me. The wizard tells Billy that the reason he is chosen is that he is pure of heart. Pure of heart. Now, while I won't dismiss that the pure of heart angle was entered in as kind of a lesson to the children, a bit of a a, a subliminal suggestion, it doesn't mean that it isn't important. It does not make it unimportant at all. Inherent good in a heroic figure is required to make them heroic. Otherwise, they're an anti-hero. That doesn't mean inherent bravery or inherent skill, but the underlying desire to do good even if it isn't necessarily proactive, that is required. And this was a trait in Billy that I thought the direct-to-DVD movie Superman Shazam First Thunder masterfully displayed, because Billy is selfless despite the fact that so many bad things have happened to him. He has maintained that. And the New 52 version seeks to flaw that up and downright reverse it in the name of realism. And it seems to say to me that... It is unrealistic that anyone pure of heart exists anymore. And I can't buy into that thought process. Yes, there are bad people in the world, doing bad things. Yes, even the pure of heart have flaws. But if you discount the good, evil has already won. But let me jump off that soapbox and wrap this up. On page 6, we get the six mythological heroes that provide Captain Marvel's powers and then also form the anagram for the wizard's name, Shazam. 
beginning with S for Solomon, who provides wisdom. Solomon is actually a biblical figure, son of David, he of Goliath slaying fame. But many other legends surround him and many other religions uh, beyond the Bible, including stories of hobnobbing with angels, mysticism, so on and so forth. So he, he kind of straddles several different areas of mythology. Hercules provides strength, and Hercules is the Romanized version of the Greek demigod Heracles, who was the son of Zeus. Atlas provides the stamina, and in Greek mythology, Atlas held up the planet in perpetuity, which, of course, well, that would require quite a bit of stamina, wouldn't you think? And Zeus provides pure power, fitting since Zeus was the top god in Greek mythology, while Achilles provides courage. Now, Achilles was a hero in the Trojan War, who was said to be completely invulnerable save for his heel. Hence the term Achilles' heel. See what we did there? And Mercury is the final provider, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. He's the messenger of the gods. He is fleet of foot. I mean, he is fast. Um, kind of fast as thought. I have more on that next week because I want to get uh, talk a little bit about some of Grant Morrison's observations in the book Super Gods. But really, when you look at this, I think the eclectic mix of Roman, Greek, uh, Hebrew influences into Captain Marvel's powers, it casts this net wide for epic inspiration. Um, it's, it's a mix that does have some interesting aspects that I'm also going to share with you next week. Speaking of next week, where has Captain Marvel been for 20 years? Where was his exile? Who is the wickedest scientist? I think we can all kind of guess that. But what will happen when the big red cheese catches up with that scientist? So join me in one week to find out. Until then, I'm J. David Weeder. Thank you for listening to Dave's Amazing World of Shazam. Dave's Amazing World of Shazam is a Nat World production. Episodes can be found at shazampodcast.com or on iTunes where reviews are invited. Email for the show can be addressed to shazampodcast at gmail.com. Befriend the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash shazampodcast. Dave's Amazing World of Shazam is made for entertainment purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely from the mind of David Weeder. Captain Marvel and all related characters and properties are copyright DC Comics, and all music or sound clips are copyright their respective owners. No infringement is intended. Dave's Daredevil Podcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks network of podcasts. You can find the show's home at twotruefreaks.com. Also, choose to like the network on Facebook. Simply search for Two True Freaks. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash daveweeder. And you can email the show. The address is mail at daredevilpodcast.com. Did you know? You can sponsor any episode of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right, simply click the PayPal link, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf. And you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today.
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a cut of what you buy. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it really helps the freaks out. You get to shop as usual and keep the lights on at 2TrueFreaks at the same time. What a deal. Daredevil and all related characters are copyright Marvel Entertainment Group. All rights reserved. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not draw profit from the references to the characters herein. All music and sound clips are used for entertainment purposes. All rights lie with the copyright holder. Dave's Daredevil podcast is a production of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Until next time, I am J. David Weeder. Thank you so much for listening.